Welcome to the Neuropedic Sports Rehab Podcast. I'm your host, Ramez Antoon, but please call me Mez. I'm a physical therapist and a strength coach. And in this show, we talk about the continuum of clinical practice to getting back to training in the gym. We focus on sustainable performance and longevity. I'd like to thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoy our show. Before we start, if you're a sports PT interested in a virtual mentorship, make sure you stick around for after the episode. We have more details about our 12-week mentorship program that we've been getting awesome feedback from our students. Also, if you like to consume content by reading, we drop a weekly newsletter every Friday morning with free sports rehab and fitness content. So if you're interested, make sure you check out the episode description where we have a link to sign up for our weekly newsletter. All right, without further delay, let's get into today's episode. Managing load for the rehabbing fitness athlete. This is a topic that came in from someone on the interweb. And this is a really awesome topic. I think before we talk about managing load for the rehabbing fitness athlete, let's first define load because from what I've been hearing, a lot of different people are defining load differently. So in the rehab settings, sometimes you'll hear people refer as load as just body weight, like standing up, touching your toes. They would say that's loaded flexion. For the purposes of this conversation, we're just we're not defining that as load against gravity. We're just going to define load as just stress in general, whether that be physical stress or mental stress. So when you're managing load for a rehabbing fitness athlete, and we're defining load as stress, both physical and mental, what I would say is first, we have to understand what's the mental state of the athlete. Are they so wound up or upregulated about their injury and what's going on? and a lot of stress at home, a lot of stress at work, a lot of change going on in their life. Because in those situations, managing load may simply be purely eliminating things out of their program or eliminating things that they have to worry about. So basically what Bruce Lee would call eliminating or cutting out the non-essentials, removing stress from their life. Now, if we just take someone who's, you know, they're pretty just stable, there's not a lot of change going on in their life and they're in the flow and we have to manage their physical stress. So now we're talking about pure programming, strength and conditioning and movement. So when we're managing physical loads, the first thing we can do is manipulate volumes and intensities of the program. So we're, we're going to look at weekly volumes of, let's say, the deadlift. How many total deadlifts are they doing per week? given the program. Again, we're talking about a fitness athlete. I'm assuming that they at least know the volumes and loads that they're imposing on their body. If they can't give us the volumes and loads that they're imposing on their body from their lifting program, that's the first problem that we need to address, having that baseline. So after we manipulate loads, we can then think about manipulating load application. So let's say the person is constantly lifting with barbells and constantly deadlifting with barbells and we're managing a low back discomfort or low back pain, we can switch to a raised kettlebell. We can switch to a single leg deadlift with rotary stability challenging the trunk and just change the load application so that it's not purely sagittal load or stress. 
now we have more of a transverse plane challenge, for example. So it's basically looking at what they've been doing for a load application and then potentially just introducing them to something totally different. Then we can look at recovery, just general recovery. If the athlete doesn't even know what active recovery is or can't give you a general definition for active recovery, that's where we need to start. Looking at, for example, how many hours a night are they sleeping? What's their resting heart rate? It's a very basic metric that you can look at. If you're dealing with someone who's serious about their sport, we should be seeing a resting heart rate lower than 60. And if they have a resting heart rate that's more than 60, I would start to really focus in on putting in aerobic capacity focus from an energy system standpoint into their um, life. So daily walks, some type of uh, low aerobic stimulus that's keeping them at like 50 to 60% of their heart rate max. The other thing that we can look at for recovery for our athletes is some type of sensory deprivation. So an interesting um, thing to consider for recovery for these athletes is like a float tank, inversion tables. You can have them tread water in chest, wide, chest high water and essentially unload their spine but still load or unload their biomechanical system but still deliver a light load to their cardiovascular system and their lymphatic system and get them to sweat and move at low um, heart rate zones. Something like a sauna can be very helpful for recovery if you're having our athletes really focusing in on breathing in the sauna and heat exposure can be a very helpful way to um, introduce cardio, but again, unload the biomechanical system, especially if this person is really training hard and training seriously and religiously um, in the weight room. And then finally, uh, asking a simple question in the intake process. When was the last time you took a deload week? If they don't know what a deload week is, then we should start there. I, I've met a lot of athletes that come in to rehab complaining of whatever it is, knee pain, back pain, shoulder pain, and you ask them a simple question like, hey, when was the last time you took a week off? And they look at you like you just killed a box of kittens. And it's like, week off? What do you mean? That's where I start to educate them a little bit about what it means to take a week off of lifting. Um, and taking a week off of having a structured program that you're religiously following for hopefully eight to 10 weeks. Every eight to 10 weeks of a really structured lifting routine, we want to take a deload week. So I educate my uh, athletes if, if they're really interested in kettlebells or barbells, whatever type of lifting. I educate them a little bit about what I learned from Stuart McGill in terms of loading the spine and creating a resilient spine is you load the spine for a solid eight to, to 10 weeks. The corticalization of the end plate and the vertebral bodies of the axial skeleton to optimize that density, it takes about five to six days of unloading or deloading to get the osteoblasts to um, really do their thing 
I can't really find the words for it, but you know what I mean, to really create that density and that resilience in the spine. And by deloading and unloading, we're not saying lay on your back for five days. We're just saying step out of the weight room, step out of the um, religious um, following of a program and weights and go for a hike and go for a swim, go for a bike ride. Just go be active and do other things. Go garden. Um, and that really helps create resiliency in the spine. And that was one of the hallmark um, strategies that McGill spoke about, I can't remember the podcast that I heard this in or the interview it was, um, but with the, in the new book, uh, The Gift of Injury, Stuart McGill talks about the, the intermittent five to four to five days of unloading and completely stepping away from the weights. I thought that was really interesting from a physiological reason why we're going to step away from uh, training. Um, and then there's also, I'm starting to just learn about this now, but the Chinese have, in the martial arts community, they have a training methodology called iron fist training or iron hand training, where they're repeatedly striking the hand for hundreds of times over the course of uh, 100 days. So they're doing like 10 sets of 10, 10 sets of 20, and they're imposing these stresses on the hand and the the bones in the hand, and they'll have intermittent periods of not doing that training, so like three to four days, and then again, they'll go for days of repeated training. The initial phrase of iron fist training didn't make sense to me, but like when I started listening to Stuart McGill talk, I started realizing he was doing something similar for the spine to create density in the... Uh, in the vertebral bodies and in the end plates and in the collagenous uh, annulus fibrosis. I am forgetting if it's the actual end plate in the vertebral bodies or if there's any actual histological changes in the annulus fibrosis of the disc. So excuse me, but I'm pretty sure it's just the vertebral bodies and the end plate. Anyways, getting back to managing load for the rehabbing fitness athlete. First of all, we can look at physical stress. We talked about volumes and intensity. So looking at their program and manipulating that. We talked about manipulating load application. So switching from a sagittal plane challenge to a transverse plane challenge or vice versa, depending on, on what the athlete is consistently doing. And then recovery, making sure they're sleeping, making sure we have a decent idea of where their aerobic capacity is. Maybe we train that during the rehab process. We talked about sensory deprivation techniques, float tanks, inversion tables, treading water, saunas, getting the athlete into a daily walking habit. Uh, and I didn't say this in the beginning, but I think just having giving people the right to lay down for a few minutes during the day, whether it be one or two minutes, five minutes, ten minutes, whatever they got, and just get off their chair, stop stressing out about stuff, listen to some music, and lay on the floor. I think that might be a huge um uh, simple low-hanging fruit that you can just give your clients the, the the right to do. That's my spiel for managing load for the rehabbing fitness athlete. I hope it helps. Thank you guys for listening. Have an awesome day. All right, y'all. Episode's over. If you enjoyed it, please follow us on Spotify. Share it with a colleague. It would mean so, so much to me and my team. 
If you have any questions or follow-up conversations that you want to nerd out about, please shoot me an email, ramez at neuropedicspt.com. I answer all my emails. I'm more than willing to nerd out with any of you. Also, our virtual mentorship is open for enrollment. So if you're interested, please shoot an email to neuropedicspt at gmail.com and we will get back to you as soon as possible. Thank you again for listening and have an awesome day. But I want to let you know about our foundation's mentorship program. This is a 12-week program designed for orthopedic and sports physical therapists interested in better understanding how various motor control and neuromuscular rehab models can be integrated into any practice, making you a well-rounded therapist while improving outcomes. With the various motor control perspectives available to us today, oftentimes we can be left feeling confused, not knowing who to listen to and which course to take next. We know what it feels like to take a weekend course and feel like you have to choose between one approach or another, but it doesn't have to be that way. What if a certain depth of understanding and various models brought us some clarity, cognitive agility, and creativity into our clinical practice? That's our goal with this 12-week program. We'll dive deep into five of the foundational systems of motor control, like the reflex model and the dynamic systems model. We'll dissect each model's strengths and weaknesses to see how each model may complement one another through synergy. Here's what you'll get through this 12-week program. You'll get home study content, which will consist of PowerPoint audio lectures. You'll get one-on-one -on -one mentoring calls for an hour a week where we dissect practical case study examples from your current caseload so you can apply the content to your clients right away. We'll also have plenty of time for Q&A so you can get a deeper understanding of the home study material. Here's what you will not get from this program. We're not offering new techniques or fancy exercises, and we're not promoting new assessment or evaluation strategies. And rather than bashing other systems, we'll be taking a different approach towards motor control, an inside-out approach where we start with our why and our beliefs and values. If you're interested in learning more about this 12-week mentorship program, please email us at neuropedicspt at gmail.com. We're now offering free discovery calls so you can learn more about what we have to offer. And now, without further delay, let's dive into today's episode.